This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. It is episode 535. Uh, First of all, big shout out to everybody for uh, a lot of the new supporters and uh, I guess increase in support uh, with our Patreon too. You know, that's something we don't really push as hard, maybe a little harder than we ever have uh, in the past. You know, now lately we're getting a little more interactive on it. Um, I think we're going to start doing those exclusive episodes more and more. We're having a lot of fun. It's kind of nice for us just kickbacks and interact, kick back and interact with you guys. Um, we did a live interaction podcast and just kind of hung out. It's really no hard agenda. We answer questions as they come through our awesome Patreon family. So shout out to you guys. Shout out to the new subscribers there. That's a big way to uh, support us and what we do. And we have some ideas. Uh, there were some su- suggestions in the live stream on maybe doing another top tier one and doing some more exclusive things like hangouts and other opportunities that were uh, got our brain spinning around. But anyway, uh, episode 535, uh, Tracy from Huntworth um, is an awesome guy. He came in. He's actually, I consider him one of the marketing geniuses in this industry. So it's very fun episode, um, very awesome and interesting guy to talk to. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, the podcast is presented by Elite Archery. As always, we've been putting them to work. Uh, my Elite basically took a beating in Wyoming, and it passed that test. It's taken a beating on the flight over to Africa and back, and you always worry about your equipment, and it's nice when you get there or you go through well, you know, watching your bow get beat off a tree because it's strapped to the side of a horse, and you get back at the end of the day, and it shoots good. So um, it's nice to have reliable equipment that you can trust, especially when you're doing some of these adventure hunts because you know one wrong one wrong thing with your bow or whatever it may be, and your hunt could be over fast, or you know you could sacrifice a couple of days of your hunt that you have vacation time or you save money for or whatever it is um, to get back on and, and keep hunting. So um, Elite Archery, um, the bow's been performing great. Um, use code WCB at anything outdoor group. Um, yeah, check them out, Elite Archery. Uh, we enjoy them. We think you'll like them too. 
uh, podcast, you know, this episode's very focused on Huntworth. We don't really need to dive too deep in the intro, um, but check out Huntworth. We do have a code WCB15 if you want to try a jacket or pants, lightweight, midweight, heavyweight, uh, the new heat boost, whatever you're into. So um, WCB15 um, can save you some money there. Um, Old Barn Taxidermy, we're coming right in here. So for some of you guys, season's already kicked off, and we've been seeing some pictures of Taxidermy go into you know, the Working Class Bowhunters Facebook group. Uh, shout out to everybody in there. And uh, a lot of people just don't know what good and bad taxidermy is. And, uh, you know, once you have a great taxidermist and then you see bad taxidermy, you realize very quickly uh, what bad taxidermy is. Please, if you don't go to Old Barn, make sure you're getting a quality product for your money. And also, G2 Forms um, is a form company um I guess, I don't know if it's a sister company or whatever you want to call it, to Old Barn Taxidermy. Uh, ask your taxidermist if you'd like to have some Old Barn-related products with your taxidermist um, to reach out and see if they could get a G2 form in their supply. Uh, so check out Old Barn Taxidermy. We love them. Uh, we never regret our taxidermy, and that's a very great feeling, knowing that you're not having all these nightmare-looking animals because your taxidermist isn't very good or just didn't give a shit when somebody walks into the studio or your house. Um it's kind of embarrassing. That's probably why a lot of wives hate taxidermy because their husbands or whoever have bad taxidermy. So they're like, I don't want it hanging in the house. It's like, you know, at that point, I don't really fucking blame them. Can you imagine? Get this freaked out looking deer in your living room. It's like, uh, yeah, make it a work of art. That changes the perception um, for, your, for your wife, for your husband, whoever doesn't really like the taxidermy. Um, once you have museum quality and it's beautiful, it might change versus looking like some sort of freak of nature hanging above your fireplace, staring at you while you eat your popcorn. It's not a good look. Not a good look. <laughs> also, Camel Fire. Uh, we love Camel Fire. There's been a lot of jokes about the delete your browser history, which I find really funny. And then I've seen some comments in our group asking if it was legit. It is legit. Um, it is revolving deals. Um, I'm on there now. Um, I'm not going to delete my browser history. My wife actually never gets on the studio computer, so that's great for me. Um, right now they have muzzleloaders on there. There's elk calls, there's knives, there's headlamps, all sorts of stuff. Gloves. Um, there's actually some black Ovis gloves in here. There's all sorts of goodies. Um, you never know if you're going to plan a Western hunt in a year or two, and you know, there's certain gear that you need to get camofire.com is a good website to keep tabs on to save yourself some money. You know, you might end up saving uh, several hundred dollars just by staying on the ball on this. I'm um, just checking it every morning or whatever just to see, oh, hey, there's the the tent that I need or the sleeping pad I need that I didn't know which one to get, that type of thing. So check out camofire.com. We think you guys will like it. They have an app as well. Um, if your wife sucks, delete your browser history. If not, you know, let her know where you're shopping, and then you can give her shit about how often she shops at Target. Whatever you want to do. It's up to you. Uh, Novix Tree Stands is a local company to us, um, a company that we love. They take pride in American jobs and having their product made here in central Illinois. They have the Echo Hang On. They have the Hilo Hang On. I like them both. The Hilo is probably going to be your go-to for your mobile hunting needs. Um, lightweight, low-profile, on-the-move type stuff. Um, they have the they actually have the Hunt Ready system, so you can order the stand um, in Hilo or Echo with the sticks. That's a great option. And then what's great about it is you can pick, you want full-length sticks, do you want minis, do you want double steps, do you want the offset normal climbing sticks? Um, I like them all. I like to switch it up. I, I, I don't discriminate on any of that. Um, 
But check it out. Um, hang on ready hunt system. I made that hang on part. Echo hunt ready system. Um, good deal. Made in the USA. Great products. And most of all, great people. And you don't have to question where they stand on their ethics in this uh, hunting realm. That's important, right? Um, just as important as the product being good. And also, wouldn't it suck to buy a product and realize that just a bunch of shitheads are the ones that make it? And you're just, like giving money to just people that you wouldn't want to support anyway. Um, I don't know. Does that matter to you guys? To me, it does. Um, something to think about. Um, also, Victory Arrows. Uh, shooting rip TKOs. Um, I showed a video on our Instagram and TikTok, as embarrassing as TikTok is to say, of what I'm shooting for my arrow setups, rip TKOs with the... I'm shooting Slick Trick Viper Tricks fixed blade this year. I did it for elk. Um, never got to put one in an elk, but uh, I, I think I'm going back late October to try and fill that tag uh, with a rifle. I feel a little weird about it, but you know what? I might not draw that tag for a while, so I'm going to go out and have some fun. I'm going to try the rifle hunting thing. I've killed one animal with a rifle prior to this uh, this coming up. Rifle hunt, I guess, and that was a, a mule deer in Oregon out there with Leupold, which made perfect sense, right? Um and I really did enjoy it. I did. Um, you know, maybe I would do more rifle hunting, but I just like bow hunting, you know? So, but when a rifle hunt opportunity arises, you know, I'll take it. So no shame in that. Uh, but looking forward to that. But anyway, didn't, didn't get to put a, um, a victory in an elk, but uh, we're going to make that happen in the future. So I'm going to quit rambling. Hope you enjoy this episode. And thanks for being here, guys. I'm Chase Ralston with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Bone Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the working class bow hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. It's really, really not that good. Hey guys, welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We have a full uh, studio for once. It's been a while since our entire Working Class Bowhunter crew has been together. Um, you know us all, uh, Kurt Geyer, Eric Common. Doug? Doug Schmidt? Yeah, Doug, you're part of this, actually. Doug, did you forget your name? <laughs> Austin yeah, Chandler. Ross Baker. And we got the cult leader, plus one in the studio, guest hosting. Lee Her. And then we have a very special guest um, over the phone, outdoor writer. I'd call him an expert outdoor marketer, if you will, um, an industry connoisseur, the expert in the room, um, or not in the room, but on the phone, but still on the show, um, and also kind of like our Huntworth representative all at the same time, Tracy Breen. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, man. Th thanks for uh, having me on and, and taking the time to give me a call. We've been wanting to do this podcast for a long while, and I'm glad that between all of our busy schedules, we finally nailed it down <laughs> and we're able to finally make it happen. So uh, I'm glad. Yeah, it's tough. You, 
you know, when you have that many hosts like you do and, and everybody's, you know, traveling all around, especially this time of year, it gets pretty busy. Uh, so it can be a, a tall task putting it together for sure. Yeah. And, and Tracy, we met through Huntworth. That's kind of where our relationship began. Um, and we've been talking. It's been great and seamless ever since. Um, and I think we should probably talk about Huntworth because it makes the most sense right off the gate. And then I want to talk about other things you've done in this industry. Um, so people that are tuning in that may be unfamiliar with you, is like you're very multi-layered as a hunter, as a bow hunter, um, your experience in this industry. You're a, you're, you're a pioneer in the industry, um, for lack of a better term. Uh, that might be a strong phrase to use. Give yourself uh, some credit. You deserve it. Yeah, yes, certainly. Uh, <laughs> I would. It's it's uh, you know time's flown, and here I am in my mid forties, and and I guess you could say an industry veteran at this point for sure. Um, crazy how time flies. But yes, as far as marketing goes, I've worked with Huntworth a long time. They're one of my marketing clients, and um, the majority of my living now is made as a marketing consultant within the hunting industry. Do you enjoy that job? Uh, it's different than being a freelance writer. I think, um, being a freelance writer was probably a little more fun. Um, <laughs> didn't, didn't pay as well. Uh, but from the time I was 20 to my mid thirties, you know, I, I hunted in, you know, 30 plus States and averaged, you know, five to eight States a year. So, um, that was a lot of fun, you know, traveling all around. Uh, being a consultant keeps me home more, keeps me around my family more, uh, more stress for sure. You know, uh, you're dealing with marketing budgets and making sure guys like you follow through. No offense, but that is uh, <laughs> a lot of what I do is, you know, calling this TV guy or that TV guy saying, you know, here's here's what we're hoping for or here's the marketing message for this year or whatever. So it's different. Um, I, you know, there's not much else I'm good at or what, that I'd want to do, but um so I, I'm still doing it and glad that I'm here. Yeah, that's got to be an interesting job, like from writing to like the marketing consultant. Like, do you ever do things you're just uncomfortable with as far as like checking with that idiot host from working class boner? Like, hey, you idiots aren't doing <laughs> well, your job you know, correctly. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't had any uh, negative interactions with you guys, but I won't name names. But uh, unfortunately, I'm sure there's plenty of TV guys, plenty of podcasters, plenty of magazine editors that at times probably don't want to talk. You know, I mean, when yeah. they see my number on the caller, I do like, oh, crap, I owe that guy that 30-second commercial, or I promised to do this, that, the other. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of the keeper of the gate for a lot of, a lot of manufacturers. Now, the flip side is everybody wants to be your friend as well because you're the keeper of the checkbook, mm -hmm. you know, so you you do get a lot of, a lot of calls from people wanting to be sponsored by this company or that company. And you have to weed out, you know, the good and the bad and roll the dice on some. I mean, you were really uh, probably one of the first podcasts that were sponsored. And, and I started really paying close attention to the podcast, brought three or four on. Um, but it, it, in some ways was a roll of the dice and, <laughs> yeah. As the guy who pulls the trigger on that stuff, there is a lot of pressure, right? If I tell a client, hey, I think we should go down this road, and then it backfires, well, you've wasted their money. Right. Yeah, right, right. And it is a lot of pressure on us, too. Like, um, And I think that's uh, that might open the door, that conversation, to a lot of pressure that like a listener not, might not understand. It's like, uh, you know, partnerships and sponsors come with, with certain responsibilities, 
and certain boxes we have to check. Um, and then, and a lot of it's not like ethical check marks. It's just, uh, obligations, which is completely fine. We know that when, when that happens, but, um, there is stress involved, you know, because you're busy and then you had X amount of partnerships and all that. So from our standpoint, and then from you, it's like, yeah, you need to keep a job. You need to make sure we're doing this TV shows, doing that to the company. Otherwise, you know, it keep, you can look like an idiot real fast by taking chances, but that's also part of the reason why you're hired is you're taking, you're going gut instinct on what you think will work or what you know will work from past experiences. And then if that fails, it's like, man, well, you got to understand, I thought it was going to go well and it didn't, or look, it went really well. And man, we're glad we did that, you know? So, and thanks for rolling the dice on us too. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) No no problem. You know, to talk a little bit about Huntworth, because we wanted to do that. Yes. uh, The interesting story with Huntworth is they've been around a really long time. And like a lot of my clients, uh, my name was given to them by someone else that worked with me. And, and they called me and said, we have, we have great clothing for the price. We have good gear. We have really good distribution. Where we're lacking is kind of that branding, marketing piece, you know, to really have a strong message and let the consumer know that we have an amazing product for the price. And, and since day one when Neil hired me, he said, you know, I want to be the Ford and Chevy of hunting clothing. And, and I really think that's where I've taken them. That's where the whole team has taken them. Uh, but but just like you said, you know, there was some rolling of the dice. They hand you a budget, and you're taking them in places they've never been before, you know. Yeah. Um, I've been with them a lot of years now, so there's absolutely some mutual trust. If if I say, hey, I think we should sponsor this guy over there, or if they find somebody online, they're like, go check out that guy. Um, you know, it's it's uh, been, a, been a wonderful ride. But yeah. um, early on, it was kind of building that brand and letting the consumer know that, hey, you don't have to spend six, $700 for a hunting coat. You know what I mean? It's for sure. It's unnecessary for sure. And I think, you know, from my perspective, Tracy, you know, I Huntworth, we've always known about like the gloves first. Yeah. Right. Yep. But I think yep. in the time that we've been partnered with you guys, I feel like, and I don't know, maybe it's us, maybe it's just growth and brand in general, but in our circle here in the Midwest, Iowa, Illinois, I feel like a lot of people have become more, Aware, of aware, them. aware, and like surprisingly, like oh, I never really looked into Huntworth before because it wasn't, you know, I don't know, maybe three years ago, it wasn't necessarily in the conversation more mainstream, and I feel like now it's becoming way more mainstream. And I don't know if it's because we just see it because our circle and our marketing and our recommendation, we use it, we really do believe in it, and that's something that I think our listeners should know, like. If we think it sucks, we won't use it. And that's just the bottom line. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it has to work. Like, we're hardcore bow hunters. If it doesn't work, we're not going to use it. Like, and that's just the bottom line. But I feel like lately, maybe the last, I don't know, year and a half, year and a half, I see a lot more people asking about Huntworth in our, in our Facebook group. And I see more tags of us and Huntworth posts. And people bought their first Huntworth hoodie just to try it out. And then they bought a jacket. Then next thing you know, they get a suit. And then I'm starting to see the ball pick up to become that that Ford and Chevy in the camo game and the clothing game. Well, I think, too, people have become more aware because, you know, it's always been like if you went to the Farm King around here, they had the whole selection of gloves was Huntworth. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I mean, so now people are just graduating over to the actual clothing side that they're like, oh, they actually offer clothing too. Yeah. Everyone always knew about their gloves, but now the clothing is thrown in there also. For sure. 
And I do think from a from a branding perspective, uh, I've tried to put them everywhere, whether that was TV, whether it was print, whether it's podcast. And so the goal in marketing, whether it's a new bow, a new truck, a, you know, a new broadhead, whatever, is just that the consumer sees it everywhere. For you know sure. I mean? and, and, and with branding, it's about impressions. And half the time when people buy something, they don't even know, hey, did I, did I hear that on XYZ podcast or did I see that in a magazine? They don't even know. They just know they keep seeing it everywhere, you know, and then they, you know, go and give it a try. That's or maybe it really is they see it everywhere and they hear you over and over again talking about it on a podcast and they decide to give it a try. I mean, research has shown that the consumer tends to trust a podcaster more than other forms of media and marketing. Um, and so, you know, that's why podcasts have taken off. But just trying to take them and put them everywhere has absolutely worked. And then, of course, you need to have a good product. And I, and I think what I always say to Neil and Karen, and, that, and that's the you know the owner of Huntworth, is I, I think a lot of people go and try Huntworth. Maybe they feel it's a little bit of a risk when they purchase it, maybe the first time, and they're used to paying a lot more for clothing. And they have what I call an aha moment. Like, mm-hmm. holy cow, this was only 200 bucks, you know, and uh, this thing over here is 450 I, I can't believe this is only 199 yeah, I agree. I think that's the big and easy. It makes our job easy from that standpoint. It's like, you know, you talk about a jacket. We'll just take a whatever jacket from Huntworth and talk about how awesome it is for the price and how we genuinely love it. And then someone gets it and they do the same thing. Oh, shit. I can go to Farm King or Farm and Fleet and pick up this jacket for a fraction of the cost of another piece. And it's awesome. And and what I love about Huntworth as a company is like the relationship working with you. But Neil and Karen are like they include us, and that is like a really cool feeling from our you know our perspective as being you know the working class bow hunter. We drink beer, we cuss, we're a little unconventional. We you know you know we're a little different, but that's kind of what's made us us. But being included in like product development meetings, what do you guys think of this? What would you change yep. after using this product? Okay. And and everyone cares about what you're saying. They're taking notes. They really care about the consumer, and that's really what won us over so heavily in our, the relationship building process with us and Huntworth. It's like, wow, we feel like we're really taking part in this. They really care about our feedback. Like when we've all had this conversation as a crew, like it, it makes us more diehard because of the inclusion and just right. Um, I, you guys, they care about our opinion. It's a, it's a great feeling. And and I think a lot of us have had some one-on-ones with Karen and video chats and, and breaking down the equipment or the, the, the clothing and everything, what we would change, what we would do different. But uh, to to add to it, I guess, the to be able to go to, like you said, Farm King or anywhere else, I mean, most of us guys are just, we're not ordering or going to, going to uh, Bass Pro or Cabela's or anything like that we we just go to our local farm store farm king or uh, rural king or whatever it is and we find the best line of clothing that's affordable and dang it's it's awesome the the price range is right where it needs to be i mean for a working class guy it's spot on and the quality is phenomenal Mm -hmm. so i mean i don't know how many pairs of huntworth um excuse me gloves i've bought because either you, even you drop one on the way to the stand or you forget your gloves altogether <laughs> or you know there's so many yeah. times i've walked to the stand you know and i pull a glove off with my teeth look at my phone don't know where i put my glove yep. i yeah. dropped it somewhere yeah and then all of a sudden you're sitting in the stand with one glove on you're like 
God damn it. <laughs> we got to need another glove. One right? glove. Yeah. Or it's on the ground or something. Yeah, for sure. But And, the, and what she brought up there with having input on product development uh, in 20-plus years of doing this for a living, I can truly say they're one of the few companies that gives a rip what others think. You know, yeah. I mean, um, I've made suggestions in all kinds of product development meetings over the years, and, uh, you know, here I work for a company, and, and they rarely take it to heart, you know, where, I, as I've said in other podcasts, Neil and Karen, if you say, hey, I think this button should be here, and you can give a valid reason why you think this button should be moved or there should be a pocket over there or this should be tweaked or that be tweaked, it's going to happen if, yeah. if you can give them a real reason why you might want to change that product. 100%. And that, that goes a long way with us. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like we've had, we've been involved in a lot of meetings with different companies, but with Huntworth, it's been different. It's been like... Um, I don't know how to explain it. It's like I feel valued. Right? <laughs> that's what it is. You're part, too. Of the, you're part of the family. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that really is kind of, and, and that's a cliche thing to say. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> these, these guys are just flying the flag. But uh, without mentioning brands, there's no other clothing brand that's going to make you feel that way, I don't think. Well, you know, and to name any brand, you know what I mean? Any, you know, there's certain companies that we have. We we have personal friendships with every one of our partners. I can say that with confidence, and it's true. Um, but there are certain companies that include us more in what they're doing. And what it does is it, it makes us more proud and I'm not saying we're not we're not less proud of another brand or whatever, yeah. but yeah. when we get involved in a product development meeting and we get to meet the staff of Huntworth and we're all on an hour and a half long Zoom call and we're going we're holding up jackets and going over stuff. Here's what I like. Here's what I would change. All this stuff like that's super fun. It kind of gives you the chills of like, man, this is exciting. It gives oh, yeah. that warm fuzzy. It's very different. It was Very, cool. Yeah. The first time we had that meeting, I remember we're all like afterwards, we all had a group call after the first meeting. I'm like, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Man. That was like, badass. It was pretty cool. So, um, yeah. and that's true. That really did happen. Like we're not making shit up just to do, we don't need to do that. But um, no, we schedule those meetings with everybody every year. And, you know, I think when I hire someone, when I hire someone like you, I, I probably gave you that warning, right? That, we're, we're going to want to be engaged with you and we're going to call you and Neil and Karen are probably going to schedule these type of calls with you. And I think a lot of people are like, eh, whatever, you know, <laughs> right. um, but then a year later, like, holy cow, you know, they called us all the time and our input mattered and, and, um, relate every, every business I think thrives on relationships. And it's certainly that way in the hunting industry. And that has been one of the keys of my success with Huntworth and the partners that we've brought on. Yeah, for sure. And and uh we ate dinner with uh with them uh and when we were in PA. Yep. And uh man, Karen's a firecracker, man. I love her. She's just like youthful energy and enthusiasm and she'll just she'll drill you on well, hey, I need information, you tell me this and like even going to our Africa trip, is everybody taken care of? You guys are good. You let me know. If you don't have it, tell me. I'll get Curtis. Uh, tell me. I'll send it to you. And get and we'll, yeah. Curtis, you, are you good? Yeah. And I'm like, all right, mom. Sorry, Karen. You <laughs> she's, know, she's definitely in charge there for sure. Yeah, I love it. She's yeah. like youthful. Their energy is youthful. It really is. So that's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tracy, I do want to talk a little bit about some gear. I mean, that we've, I guess, more recently been using because of Africa. You know, like we just got back a handful of weeks ago. Um, 
And a lot of the the lightweight hunting pants and the, and the solids like the ash brown, the dark gray, um, that's something fairly new to the Huntworth line that we've uh, just started kind of screaming from the rooftops about, especially since Africa. Um, yeah, and those will come out on the upcoming podcasts that have been recorded already. Um, that's kind of been our new uh, rave and excitement with Huntworth, just from the Africa camp, is the solid pants. Um, what what do you think? What's your opinion? What what color are you leaning to? What style are you leaning to? What weight are you leaning for, uh, towards? Well, you know, that for, for me personally, uh, you know, I, I like to wear the tarn and stuff more than the solid stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Call, call me old school. You know that that uh, I know those solid colors have been really popular out west too. They're trendy. Uh, yeah, they're trendy for sure. And obviously, I can see how that worked great. Um, in Africa, I have the gray ones is the one I've been wearing. We actually had to film some TV commercials and things here locally for them. And, uh, that's what I wore. Um, but probably what we're most excited about is the heat boost. And I, b- I sure. believe you guys tried that out as well. Haven't you? Yes. Yeah, I did. A, I, we tested some out late season for whitetails. Yep. Um, Ross, you had the heat boost for late season. White I, I did. Yeah. I did also. And then uh, Doug did. And then I had it for my mountain lion hunt. Um, and that was before we had the heat boost uh, badges on it. So yep. um, yeah. we got the first runs to test them out, and um, pretty damn impressive. Very. Yeah, and, and I think uh, that could, really can be a revolutionary thing uh, and something that is going to you know, grab your listeners if you hunt in cold weather. So what heat boost is, as, as the name implies, uh, it's really uh, clothing designed for cold weather. And heat boost because it really uses your body's heat and kind of recycles it to make you warmer. Up to 30% warmer is what we're saying in marketing and advertising. And at the heart of it is a graphene material uh, that really hasn't been used in hunting clothing until Huntworth. And it just retains the heat. Like when you slide your hands into a pair of those gloves, you can feel the heat just radiating back to your hand. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for the clothing. I, mean, I, I tested it out ice fishing. You know, it's not really ice fishing gear, uh, but I was really far north in northern Michigan and wanted to test it uh, with that in mind. And uh, it's it's amazing. You know, re- really is. And once again, anything we market, we want to be able to back it up, what we say. And Absolutely. I think everyone will be pleasantly surprised with that uh, product line if you hunt in the cold. Yeah. That, um, so I had the, I had the, I had all heat boost on um, during my mountain lion hunt. And we have that video out on our YouTube, but um, the pants were the big thing for me um, because we talked a lot in some of those meetings. It's like, you know, we want the, the insulating factor, the warmth factor without the bulk. And you can see in the, in some of that video is like, that was the big thing is like, I didn't feel like I was a marshmallow climbing a mountain to go up and shoot a, a mountain lion. The Michelin man. Yeah. I didn't feel like Michelin man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that is what makes it different. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's heat without the bulk. You know what I mean? Yeah, it right. really is. It's just, you're, you're losing the bulk. Uh, you can still draw your bow. You can still move. You can still walk. Um, you can still sit in the stand all day. Yeah. And what makes it different is you, you're losing the bulk. And that's a big thing, I think, with white hunters, especially when you get into those frigid temperatures where you're sitting. It be, you know, it doesn't get that cold. It gets cold, but like, it doesn't get Wyoming mountain 
yeah mountain lion cold that's one of the biggest obstacles to overcome when you're late season whitetail hunting is man i got to draw this bow back with this big bulky jacket on you know it's going to affect my shot at 40 50 yards 100 with this with this clothing it eliminates a lot of that yeah the first time using it in late season last year i'm sure ross agrees but you almost feel like you don't have enough on because it's Mm-hmm. Not and, as bulky and my, as yeah. you used to. And my biggest worry was going to the tree uh, and well, walking four or five hundred yards in. If I was going to get hot, yeah. in this in this boost, I mean, you, you start throwing that that idea in there. It's all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't. Maybe I should just carry them in and then put them on once I get there. But I had no problem walking all the way in, Mm-mm. climbing up in the tree, everything, sitting down, and then sitting for four or five hours. Well, right. I think Ross, you and Karen had some conversations because you're you're known as the late season whitetail guy here when it gets into that colder weather. Yeah. So, and that's you receive some of that heat boost to give it, you know, test some of that out. Right. Being the late season guy, and you hunted your your season last year was pretty much exclusively late season. It was all late season. Yeah. 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 So I was like, Ross is the number one candidate for this, like. You know, we're at ATA show in first week of January, second week of January, and Ross is still chasing deer in the cold, you know? And I'm like, well, it's, yeah, I can take it, but I'm doing trade show. I'm I'm working. Ross is out there freezing his nuts off or not freezing his nuts off. <laughs> there and, you go. And, and he used to freeze his nuts he off. He used to freeze his nuts. He got one nut, so he can't lose another one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Huntworth, I saved my last nut. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's our 2023 ad right there. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Saving one nut at a time. Saving one nut at a time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ross does the commercial. Thanks to Hunt. It's it's like this corny infomercial. Thanks to Huntworth, I get to keep my last nut, and then you win. It's like a picture of him with his family. <laughs> yeah, we need to get on that one. I think Tracy, but um, okay, let's do it. Yeah, write that down, will you? <laughs> But, you know, I'll give him the sign. We used it. We love it. Um, You know, it's good stuff. I I think I used it in the coldest conditions you could probably use it in. Um, I killed that lion. What what the deal breaker was, I got sweaty. Um, I actually took took off my jacket because I got sweaty. So when I actually shoot the thing, I'm in a hoodie, which is a good thing. And then wore that down to the bottom of the mountain. And then once we got back to the snowmobiles where I load everything up, I put everything back on. And, I, I, and I'm not kidding. This is a true story. Trey, my buddy Trey, is riding the snowmobile. It's like one of them utility snowmobiles. Mm-hmm. I'm on the back, all my heat boost stuff. Just, I look, I had so much just stuff on because of the cold and it's getting dark. I have the mountain line draped across the back rest of the snowmobile and i have my right arm underneath the back legs i have my left arm underneath wrapped around the front legs to hold this mountain line on the way out so my hand two hands are exposed in the wind and it's like negative six seven degrees out and we're probably cruising a good 25 30 mile an hour on the snowmobile on this (laughs) all the way out we had 50 miles to ride not kidding 50 miles we get back to what would be the main I guess you call it a trailhead where the snowmobile trailer and the truck was parked and that mountain lion was frozen solid. And I was like, I, I mean, my face was frozen cause my face was exposed, but I gotta say, if I didn't have something good, I would have been hypothermic. Yeah. Like the, the mountain lion was frozen. I was holding it. 
It was frozen. You'd have been, <laughs> you'd have been with the mountain lion. Yeah, me and Devin skinned it the next day, and we had to turn a propane heater on and trade shed to thaw it enough to skin the mountain lion. So, mountain lion is tough for sure. It's a lot tougher than people realize. It's tough, but. What I'm saying is I used it in some of the harshest, you know, being sub-Arctic, like, you know, uh, muskox-worthy, we put it to the test. Sure. So that's my um, pitch for heat boost. If you don't like it, that's fine, but that's my experience. (laughs) Awesome. Sorry to be super salesy on that, Tracy, but it's uh, it's the truth. That's okay. That's okay. No, it is, let's face it, the cold is what brings most guys inside early. Whether No matter what you're hunting, the cold is what usually ends your hunt. You know, It's rarely the heat, right? We elk hunt in 100 degrees sometimes, and we don't quit. We just keep going. We drink more water. But the cold absolutely ends hunts every day, especially, you know, late, late season. But even, you know, November on, it's what brings guys inside. It keeps them from filling tags. And heat boost is going to be able to help that, you know. It's going to help you stay out there longer. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, I think so. I think so. What what else do we got to cover right now with hunt? Save your nuts. I think and, yeah, I think we've covered know. some pretty good yeah, stuff. Yeah, we're but. good. Um, you know, yeah. Um, we do have a code for Huntworth for anybody listening to this like, man, I never heard working class mention Huntworth before, which you know is wrong. Um, but the code is <laughs> WCB15 <laughs> if you want to save yourself some money at huntworthgear.com. Um, get on there. What's that uh, hidden pattern? I've been, I've, I've got disruption in Tarn, and I don't know anything about that hidden. It's pattern. like a hardwoods pattern. Hardwoods. That's yep. Nice. Yeah, Where it's you more been? of a traditional stick, sticks and limbs pattern. You know yeah. what I mean? To, to uh, we we certainly don't push it, um, but that that's what it is. It's uh, if if you're a guy and you're kind of stuck on mossy oak, real tree, or whatever, and you want to stick with that, you know, kind of leafy pattern. That's what hidden's for. What's your favorite, Tracy? Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of split down the middle, but I would say if, as I look back over the last 24 months, I've probably been in Tarnan more than anything else. All right, we're My doing God. a round table right now. It's time for a round table. You guys ready? Ross, what's your favorite pattern from Huntworth? Tarnan. Okay. Doug? Tarnan. Lee, have you got any Huntworth? You're you're outside our crew a little bit. You're kind of the guest in here. So I have one piece, and it's a sweatshirt, but it's in Tarnan. And looking at them, I would say Tarnan's my favorite, like visually. Yeah, Eric, disruption. Yeah, awesome. I'm kind of like you, Kurt. I've got so my early season stuff's disruption, and I like it. My late season stuff's Tarnan. But I think honestly, I'm going to be looking at the hidden pattern. I like the hidden. I'm an old yeah. school, like the old school. Yeah. You're old. Yeah, yeah. So I had a I, I had old. a buddy I had a buddy come <laughs> this spring and hunt turkeys with me and he showed up and he had been to Farm King and bought a full suit and he hadn't in like ten years, but he said Farm King had the best price on camo and it happened to be Huntworth and he showed up and hidden. Mm-hmm. And I saw him I saw his camo and I was, was like, hidden? Dang dude, that's some good looking camo and I looked at it and I'm like, No, it's Huntworth. Holy yeah, smoke. No kid, no kid. it looks so good. I'm like, what is that pattern? Oh, it's hidden. Well, we hadn't really looked at yeah, it this much. The, this is well, the first time I've seen it. I, like Austin said, all my early season stuff is disruption. Late season stuff is turning. I like them both. Um, sometimes I mix and match. It just depends. Like, yeah. Um, I got cold legs, so I'm going to put on my warmer set of turning pants. and <laughs> Whatever uh, it takes. Yeah, whatever it takes. I like It, it can mix and match, but... Um, both are great patterns. I don't know. I feel like, and this doesn't make any sense, really. It's just like in my own brain. Like when I go west, I wear my disruption. 
um, because except for you know, but I, I went to the Wyoming and killed the mountain lion. I had all turning on, so it's like never mind anything I'm saying right now. Fuck me, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just like it all. Okay, listen. I think it's nice they have something for everybody. You know, yeah. right? Yeah. There's a lot of people. I do like the old hardwood type pattern too. It's what we grew up with. Yeah, I yeah. think it's awesome that they have an option for whatever type of pattern yeah. you like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Great, great company, man. So I, we're very proud to be partnered and working with Huntworth. So Absolutely. thanks, Tracy, for making this connection, man, and, get, and, and giving us a chance. And rolling the dice. And it sounds like uh, you wow. gave some of our buddies from Outdoor Drive a chance, too, huh? That's another yeah, podcast. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to find the up-and-comers. Um, you know, uh, back in the day, I helped launch Meat Eater uh, when Steve Ronella first came on the scene, and no one knew who the heck he was either. And, That's cool. Um, I handled all the sponsorships for that show for several years, and and so I'm always well aware that there's going to be a next one, right? Whether that's you guys or Outdoor Drive or some guy we don't even know about, I'm always kind of on the hunt for who's next. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, and you do have to roll the dice in those guys and just see where it goes. You know, that's the only way you're going to keep moving forward. That's got to be a pretty satisfying feeling, right? Like kind of discover some people, help them, like – because I, for us, from our perspective, like you and Chase Rossman are some of the guys that have really um, kind of seen something in us, and that's very much appreciated. Yeah, no, no problem. And it's fun to kind of watch someone chase a dream and get to where you are. Because I, I say this to my kids all the time, and we're getting in the weeds a little bit, but half the battle is choosing to chase the dream. Mm-hmm. Because the world will tell you, nah, you can't do that for a living. You can't make money doing that. You know, go to school and be ABC. Um, and so half the battle is just following through with it. It's not that, and I'm not putting, throwing you guys on the bus, but it's not that you or I are super special or anyone else is super special. It's that you actually chose. You woke up in the morning and made a decision. I'm getting after it, and I'm going to stick with it. For sure. That's, yeah. half, that's, that's three-quarters of the battle is saying, whether I have the flu or my wife is pregnant or my dog got ran over by a car, we have to produce a podcast this week. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I appreciate that you saying that, but it's there's sacrifices to it all, you know? It's uh, just part of and it, so man. When I have a new guy, like Outdoor Driver, I've had people, you know, just call and pick my brain about this industry in general. And I, and I say, you know, the key to success is just sticking with it. As I, as I look back on my own career of freelance writing. I wasn't an amazingly gifted writer. I wasn't the best hunter in the woods. I was just a guy who got up every day, chased a dream, and just kept grinding. See, I love that, man. Because if you if you post that on Facebook, everyone's going to hate on you. Oh, yeah, the, the guy who does it for a living, you're not working class anymore. It's like, well, okay. You think I'm rich? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like we're all apparently we're all making six figures. Yeah, I drive an 04 Chevrolet. <laughs> Leave me alone. There you go. You know, it, there's just different things. But, but Trey, you've been in this industry a long time, man. Like, how did you even tap into writing? You know, like how well, how, how mean, you even when, start? Tell us your journey. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, believe it or not, it, it was a, a childhood dream. Fourteen, fifteen years old. Um, my dad was a full time taxidermist. I uh, read all those magazines that he read, you know, Outdoor Life, Field Stream, Bowhunter, Peterson Bowhunting. The fact that he made a living in the hunting industry, even though it wasn't what we would call the hunting industry, he was making a living off of, you know, mounting your deer heads. 
I mean, that, that in itself made me realize it could be done. And then always reading those magazines, you know, for guys like Chuck Adams and Dwight Chu and all those kind of guys writing articles and traveling around and hunting and telling a story. I mean, that bit me early on, and from the time I was 14 or 15, that's that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, by, and by the time I was 20 years old, I really started to lay that foundation and, and started to submit queer letters. And I actually worked with an outdoor ministry called God's Great Outdoors, which is a, a nationally syndicated outdoor radio show. And they had an online magazine, and, and I was writing for that magazine. That got me into my first ATA show. Back then it was actually called the AMO show. And that really allowed me to rub shoulders with all the who's who, meet the editors. What, what year was that, Tracy? A- AMO? Uh, AMO, Archery Manufacturers. Uh, oh. I, listed for, uh, I believe it was 1999 or 2000 was probably my first um, show. And I haven't missed one since. That's cool. Um, so you're telling me there wasn't nearly as many jeans with uh, uh, studded paint, uh, back pant pockets. No, in there was real tree camouflage, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but as I look back, that got me, you know, in the door. And, you know, I really started working hard to get in front of those editors. And you had to submit what was called a query letter. So if I wanted to... Uh, write an article about your mountain lion hunt. I'd say, I'm, I'm going to interview, I would send an editor a letter, one paragraph. I'm going to interview Curtis. We're going to tell the story of his mountain lion. It's gonna, we're going to talk about these three points, why mountain lion hunting is tough, uh, how he was able to, you know, chase the dream and get the lion, the cost of lion hunting. It's going to be accompanied by a bunch of high-quality photographs, blah, 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 blah. And I would send dozens and dozens and dozens of those every month to every editor in the hunting industry. And over time, they would kind of get to know who you were. Uh, and then also I did a lot of gear reviews. I wrote a lot of articles on the upcoming, you know, new gear. And that put me in touch with all the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I built the, the marketing piece was, you know, being on the phone with a CEO from a big company, you know, um, yeah. getting to know that person. Um, pretty soon I'm, you know, writing press releases for Matthews Archery pretty soon. I'm hunting with Matthews Archery pretty soon. I'm working with all these big companies and, and developing content for their websites, you know, and yeah. slogans and all kinds of different things. And it, and it just kind of blossomed from there. And, you know, I was Is there like a dream in my 20s, you know, hunting all over. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have guessed it ever could happen. And as I look back, why did it happen? Because I just chased it, you know yeah. what I mean? I, yeah. You know, it's cool. Go Is ahead. there like a one article that really stands out in your early days that like, I don't know if it like boosted your career or like really stands out to you like, oh, this is the article that's going to jumpstart my career into the writing industry. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I had a better answer than that. <laughs> no, that's fine. The, the, the reality is I was writing so prolifically to make a living. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was publishing dozens of articles a month. Okay. So before there was podcasts, before there was outdoor TV, before there was any of those things, there was the written word. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if you were writing for those magazines, you know, in order to make a living, you had to write dozens and dozens and dozens of them a month. And so that be honest, the first 10 years just kind of was a blur, you know, just waking up every day and, and writing, 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 and hoping to get a paycheck in the mail. That's kind of funny, though, because, like, this generation sitting in this room right now might be the last generation of, like, 
still getting a subscription for magazines, you know, like still remembers ah, it's that. Sad it's sad, it. but it, like to think about it, like, cause you have the internet for everything now, but like, I remember as a kid getting yeah. Oh, yeah. all the hunt magazines and the well, Cabela's yeah. books. Oh, major and, day, man. Well, yeah. here, here's my hope. Cause I still subscribe to a few magazines, you know, but you know, when you think about it, I'm like, yeah, no, no, that's wrong, Eric, because I still subscribe, but I'm like, oh shit. I'm that old dude now because yeah. now yeah. I'm, I'm coming on 32 and, you know, go back to the kids right now that are 8, 17, 18, 19. Right. When I looked, you know, when I was like the kid that was, I had every magazine. If I didn't have it, I was going to Walmart to buy it. Yep. yep. I was doing this, this, you know, it's like, man, I hope they're still kind of like keep subscribing to magazines, man. I don't want that to go away. Like yep. that's, that's what I'm saying. Some kids. Full circle. It's actually kind of changing, and I mean, I, I do ad buys in magazines, and um, there's some some manufacturers that I work with that uh, that product line just resonates really well with the magazine consumer. It's an older demographic, whatever, and I'm surprised that you know it's kind of coming full circle. People, you know, love reading magazines, love seeing those pictures and in the print form, and um, it's absolutely you know I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for magazine articles you know and, and one of you guys had asked is there a certain article that kind of kind of set me up there was there wasn't an article but i'll say this how many of you guys recognize the name dwight shoe you recognize that name lee's not yes say yes i've heard it i mean i've heard the name but okay. i don't i can't say so, i know so who it dwight, is so dwight shoe was an icon uh he was the he was the editor of bow hunter magazine he actually is inducted into the bow hunter hall of fame in the 70s and 80s and 90s, he was the man. Um, and through a mutual acquaintance at that first show that I went to, 2000, whatever it was, um, he was willing to sit down with me for two hours in a room and close the door and kind of lay out for me how he was able to make a living as a freelance writer. Very and cool. that absolutely was a, you know, a pivotal moment where, like, holy cow, it's possible. Yeah. And, and it's probably happened with you guys where – Maybe there was the first morning you woke up and said, man, I, I, I think we could make a living doing this. I think I could make a living doing this. And, and that day was when I sat down with him and, and I realized, man, this this dream is within my grasp. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. You're Tracy, hearing you talk about this, man, is honestly getting me. It, it's I'm glad this is happening. It's hard to explain. I'm very grateful for where we are. Um I have a little bit – I live with constantly um, – I don't know if this is going to make sense to people or not. I'm almost a little reluctant to say it. I live a little bit with imposter syndrome. Does that make sense? Like, oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a crippled guy in this hunting industry. I mean, we haven't even gone there uh, yet. So I, I absolutely get what you're saying. Like I go, why am I here? Man, like there's, there's a lot of people more accomplished than me or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you guys know what imposter syndrome is in the studio? Do you guys know what it is? And maybe I don't know the exact, do you know what it is, Eric? Mm -mm. I don't know if I know exact definition, but here's what I feel. The definition is I feel that I don't deserve the spot that I'm in. Oh, okay. Like I feel that I'm almost have the necessary skills or you're kind of a poser or a faker or, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Every morning I wake up a little bit when I drive to the studio, I'm like, why am I the one that can do this for a living? This doesn't seem right. Right. Like a little bit, but also it's like hearing you talk about this is motivating because there's things that are happening in our life and in our journey as a company as working class bow hunter that are adding up 
to be, I hope one day in like to what you're kind of talking about, like, Oh man, I did this. And this was like that thing that built to this. And then that was that thing that built to this. And that allowed me to realize, Oh, this is what we're going to be able to do to make it to where it's like, we're chasing this dream. We're growing this company. We're doing all these cool things. Does that make sense a little bit? Like, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, it's kind of yeah. a buildup because nothing happens overnight. And we all know that it takes hard work and, and persistence and, and motivation and just hard work in general. So, um, so yeah, this is good for me. I feel like mentally to hear you talk about this a little bit. What, what year are you guys in? The, we're uh, seven and a half roughly. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's been a while, right? I mean, I, I look at the, the growth of media, for example. Um, and I, I don't remember what year it was first that we launched Meat Eater, but I, but I want to say it was like 2011 or 12 or, or 10. Maybe it was 10. I don't remember for sure the first season of Meat Eater. But, you know, probably it took four or five, six years before everybody knew who Steven Ronella was. And then all of a sudden he's on top of the world. And everybody goes, wow, this guy is an overnight sensation. <laughs> and, and it's not. Back yeah. in the beginning, yeah, back in the beginning, like, and you get this having sponsors. I would make a hundred phone calls to land, you know, one company. Yeah. And I was used to approaching it as a, as a freelance writer, as a freelance writer, if I were to call, you know, anyone in the archery industry and say, I'm doing an article for outdoor life, they would all say, yeah, we'll send you the widget or we'll give you this or we'll, whatever you need, you know? Well, when you call and say, Hey, we want you to be a sponsor of this new show. It was entirely different, right? No one, no one wanted to play. Yeah, right. And it's the same thing with you guys, right? It was, it's a slow grind for sure. It's a slow grind, but it's also like, you know, when we had what I consider our, our recent big break, the big break, the pivotal big break for working class bowhunter was doing a series for uh, Drury Outdoors and DeerCast. You know, it's like we have a lot of breaks, like companies that give us a chance. But the one that, like, I feel like made us, uh, you know, Drury Outdoors is very mainstream as far as the yeah. hunting culture is concerned. So it's like, you know... Kurt and Eric and the boys from Working Glass Bowhunter are homies with Mark Drury and the crew at Drury Outdoors, and they're down at the Drury office doing podcasts with the 100% Wild guys, and that was like the big thing. It's like, wow, we okay, we, we've we can do this now. You know, it's right. like we've been given the mainstream chance, um, and, and so for us, that was like the big like kick kick over the hill type thing, but. Um, but it's always a grind no matter what. It's like, you know, I, my goal is to keep pushing the brink of where outdoor podcasts where we can take something like this to the next level where it hasn't been. Because in my opinion, it's still developing. Yeah, you know, um, so Ron Bame, the host of the Hunting Dog podcast, and I, I don't know if you've heard of that one. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, so so he's kind of the king of the world in, in his little world of, of hunting dogs. And he got his start with that podcast because of Stephen Ronella. Um, Steve, uh, Steve Ronella used to work for Ron when, when Steve was growing up. And so Steve kind of talked to Ron and Ron started that podcast. He's kind of a, a dog expert, you know, and who would have dreamed that you just be able to talk about dogs forever and, and who <laughs> yeah. knows where that goes, but pretty soon you get different sponsors and who would have dreamed that media there would be in every media facet known to mankind. So you really don't know where it's going to take you, you know, you just, for sure. You just keep pushing and, and going mainstream, and I think there's more non-hunters listening to some of this stuff than ever before, too. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I agree with that nowadays for sure. Um, Tracy, I want to, I want to, I do want to come back to a little bit of the Steve Ronella stuff later in the show, but I want to talk about 
more you personally yeah, um, and, and some things you've had to overcome um, and, and health and stuff like that. And you mentioned earlier um, that you had to overcome something. I just kind of want you to break that down a little bit. Sure. Um, I was born with cerebral palsy, uh, you know, late seventies technology isn't where it probably is today in hospitals and things. And, um, born two and a half, three months premature, you know, thought I'd never walk, um, walk pretty late, took my first step over two years of age. Um, and so when you talk about imposter syndrome, obviously, no one would have thought that guy was going to make a living doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a out of the ordinary thing, but lots of surgeries. I've had a gazillion surgeries in my life to try to straighten my legs out and um, almost died on the operating room table at 16 years old when they cut, cut my femoral artery by accident. Oh, my gosh. Um, so it, it's certainly been a, a rocky road to, you know, where I am today, mm-hmm. um, but... You know, it's just uh, kind of been an amazing ride. And, and, and one of the things I say often is the world can hand you lemons, and it's kind of up to you to make lemonade. And, and I'm a Christian guy, and I, I firmly believe that kind of Lord gave me those lemons uh, on purpose. You know, the world handed me lemons, and he and I made lemonade. I like that, um, yeah. And I don't know if my career would even be where it is today if it wasn't for the cerebral palsy, because although it's been a, a struggle, many of the articles I wrote early on were kind of about overcoming that struggle. And because no one else was writing about those things, um, you know, there I was, you know, and, and yeah. people were buying the articles and it kind of separated me. Just like you're talking about, you guys cuss and swear and drink beer and do all the things you do. It's kind of been your niche. Um, it's what separated you from a lot of the other podcasts, a little more tongue in cheek, a little more fun. Yeah, um, we're like the ethical outlaws in a way, you know. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> I I, th- I think the cerebral palsy also made me just have that grit. You know what I mean? Just a little more grit. Yeah, no, I get that completely, and I think you know certain things in life, whether it's someone that can relate to what you had to go through, or the death of someone close to you, or you know, an accident that has happened in their life, or something. I feel like you know that it's up to that person to kind of make, I don't know, you kind of use that as a life booster or you can use it as a life limiter, I guess. It depends on what way yeah. until you handle it. And I don't think that's, I think it's, you know, I don't fault anybody for being taken down by a tragedy, right? Like it's a tragedy. It's how do they deal with it? Um, but it's like, you know, be affected by it, but then be reactive to it a little bit. Like, And I, and I don't want to beat a dead horse. I've talked about this a ton. You know, the recent death of my dad, kind of, I feel like, you know, it, it, it fucked me up, for lack of a better term, for a while. And I still feel like it has. I feel like it suppressed a lot of my, like, emotions and um, reactions and things in my life, even now to this day. And I'm still recovering. But I feel like it's also the thing that made me say, like, you know screw this screw this yeah screw this job like if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna try it now while i'm young rather than be 50 years old and be like man i should have did it then and all i could picture was my dad going kurt do just try it fuck it 
Yeah. Go for it, mm-hmm. man. Because if it doesn't work out, just go get a job. Yeah, there's always going to be jobs out yeah, there. Yeah, just go get a job. You're good. Just try it. And see, once again, the, the pattern developing in this podcast is kind of that, you know, just just go for it. And I, th- and I think having cerebral palsy and, I mean, just to be brutally honest, like, you know, I got poked fun of as a kid. I got put down as a kid. I had all those things, right? I, I That's crazy to me. Walk. I, yeah, I, I can walk, but, I mean, uh, it's obvious that I limp. It's obvious there are issues. So that created that thick skin. So, you know, one of my writing mentors said to me early on, your ability to make a living as an outdoor writer has very little bit to do with your writing ability. It has everything to do with how thick your skin is. Mm-hmm. And I was able to take that rejection, whether it was trying to, land a sponsor for Meat Eater or some other TV show, or whether it was trying to get an editor to, you know, hire me to write an article, or if I was calling a manufacturer that I wanted to work with on the marketing side, you know, there was a lot of rejection, a lot of rejection. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of molded you to be the perfect candidate for what you do for a living. Yeah. And then it, it also applies to hunting, right? Like I think, one of the reasons why a lot of people aren't successful bow hunting, bow hunting is a low percentage game. We're used to as Americans to wake up in the morning doing the same thing the same way every day, being, being fairly successful, not having a lot of bumps in the road. And then you go out on an elk hunt for 20 days and the mountains beat you up and you grew up watching Will Primos and, and he's killing bulls in every hill and, and now you're not, uh, um, <laughs> right. you, know, and, you know what I mean? And so it's a wake up call uh, real fast. Yeah. If you want to be successful, I guess, just realize there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road and the best bow hunters to come full circle and talk about bow hunting. The best bow hunters I know absolutely have grit. Uh, they're willing to handle the bumps in the road. And when times get tough, they just keep pushing until an arrow flies. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Amen. I think that's the best way to probably explain every successful bow hunter we know through this podcast you know and i mean i don't know if you know clint casper or not but i just wish he was on this podcast right now you know clint writes for peterson's bow hunting magazine right now full-time like that's what he does he's our guy he does our cc hunt Biles podcast and uh I, I don't know if you've ever talked to clint but i gotta make that connection like asap after this podcast. I, I mean i deal with christian berg who's the editor of i love Peterson christian he's so awesome and then uh, mark demko is the associate there i work yep. with him um but i don't think i've i don't think i've worked with clint hey everyone doug here with uh, mobile veteran shout out this one's submitted by mckenzie hood and the veteran is jd hood this is in the marine corps she says world's best father and husband it's high praise uh, thankful for his years of service for our country. Uh, this is a quick one, but still, thank you for your service, JD, and uh, thank you for spending that, McKenzie. Hey guys, want to interrupt again? Talk about some of our great partners. Um, commercial break, right? Everything has commercial breaks. We're sorry, we do too. Um, big time. Our big time plots are looking good. Did you plant big time plots this spring? Can you continue to run supplemental feed in your state while hunting season's open? I know a lot of states here in the Midwest you cannot. But I know there's some southern states and southeastern states where you can. Um, I think Ohio, can, you can you can bait, actually, bait and supplemental feed during season. Uh, do you guys do that? Do you not? Why? Just curious. Um, code WCB2022 if you want to save some money. I imagine as we get into 2023, that code will change to WCB2023, obviously. But check out BigTime.com. Uh, tell them we sent you. Use our code, um, and then we get a high five from them. So that's great. 
Um, also, Scent Crusher. Uh, if you use ozone products, we believe in it. We like it. We believe in ozone products more than we believe in um, traditional scent killer sprays and soaps and stuff like that for good reason. Uh, but also, the products just work just as good for organization with the roller bag, the gear bag, the closet. Um, it gives you a nice, clean place to put your hunting equipment, whether you're traveling or at your home or in your garage or however you set it up. So check out scentcrusher.com. Um, been a believer in that company for a long time. Also, Trophy Line. Trophy Line is, in our opinion, our leader in saddle hunting and more turning into mobile uh, products now, um, which is very cool. And we have a code for them, WCB. Um, I used one of the new packs on my elk hunt, and I really did enjoy it. A lot of their pack systems are great for mobile hunting. Um, and really, you go to trophyline.com, and I think you'd be surprised on some of the products and accessories they offer for more of the mobile hunting lifestyle. Um, is mobile hunting, is that term overplayed now? Just curious, asking questions while I do these commercials. Um, you know, what what is mobile to you? Are you worried about weight? If you are, they have a lot of options for you. Um, but also, you can do whatever you want. Make your own system. Um, you can buy kits through Trophy Line. Um, you know, Covert Pro Saddle Kit, Vanatic Saddle Kit, um, the, the Covert Prime Saddle, Covert Light Saddle Kit. There's a ton of options for you there. Check them out. Trophyline.com. Use code WCB uh, to save yourself some money. Why would you not? Um, it's a great company. Um, has our ethic stamp of approval there and some great, great people to work with. So we're really enjoying that partnership. So check them out. Trophyline.com. Also, Spy Point Trail Cams. Uh, we're running the Flex and... I'm actually really loving the Flex, and um, I'm an insider member on the app, so you can favorite photos, so you can go back to your big buck photos and stuff like that within the app rather than having to search to your camera roll, which I've been very guilty of that. But you can hit your camera, select what camera you want in the app. You can hit species, media types, favorites. Um, I That's the favorites tab that I like. You go through it, and you can see all the ones that you have favorited um, in the past, so it's it's great. There's maps, there's weather, there's all sorts of stuff on there, and you can name all your cameras in your app. That's uh, I kind of live on the SpyPoint app as much as possible, along with DeerCast to coordinate where I have my cameras to. And you you can do that within the SpyPoint app, but um, that's how I do it. So everybody's got their own setup. So check out SpyPoint and uh, give the Flex a new try. Run your lithiums. You can format the card right there. It does over-the-air updates, which is big, 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 big firmware updates, that is. Um, other than that, most uh, cell cameras, you are doing the like traditional drag-and-drop and format your SD card through a computer and putting it in and turning it on, waiting for it to update and all that shit. So, But check out the new Flex from SpyPoint. We are really enjoying it. And uh, also, Thermoseat, uh, last but not least for the, the commercials on this episode, Thermoseat, um, if you need tree stand replacement seats, if you're doing some ground blind hunting, if you're sitting on the ground while you're hunting, if you're coyote hunting, um, you know, the self-support series, um, and they even have bench seats for like ladder stands with kids and stuff like that. Keep your kids warm and comfortable and, and you comfortable and mechanic mats and all sorts of stuff like that. So they kind of got everyone covered um, in the outdoor uh, blue collar lifestyle. So check out thermoseat.com. Use code WCTS to save yourself some money. And back to the episode. Thanks for being here. I'll make that yeah, introduction. You should. You just, just so you guys, you know, whether there's a business relationship there or not, just so you guys can yeah, talk yeah. because you two would hit it off. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that's a match made in heaven. You guys yep. will be lifelong buddies for sure, man. I'm definitely going to make that introduction. He's getting ready to leave like real quick. 
Be prepared for him to yell at you the whole time, though. <laughs> he, that's how energetic he is. He just yells. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like it's a joke. So he does a series for us called CC Hunt Files, and he's he's fairly calm and he ramps up. But when you have him as a guest on a podcast, he's just full throttle. Like you just tape down the throttle on a 500 cc dirt bike, and it just warps out until it throws a piston. That's Clint. Sure. <laughs> Every episode. And he just never throws a piston. That's the thing. <laughs> well, at the end, you just let off the throttle, and then it's like, man, he can't do it this time. Change oil and go again. <laughs> so, like a Honda Civic that won't die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I, man, I, I like hearing about, like, your journey through the industry. How, how do you feel right now in a certain state of, like, you know, from a marketing brain perspective, from an experienced guy you, in the industry. How do you feel about social media? Social media, the whole thing. Yeah. Add the whole mess of what the hunting industry is right now. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm going to sound like the old guy. Um, That's all right. But I do think, I do think uh, modern day media probably is a blessing and a curse. You know, uh, getting on social media, you very quickly can realize, hey, this dream's possible. Right. Like making a podcast today, developing a podcast, having a TV show. You can see all those things and go, wow, I can be a part of this. I can be an influencer. I can do whatever. But the probably the, the downside of it is there's a lot of misinformation. Uh, there's a lot of people trying to come across, as you talk about imposter syndrome, there's a lot of people trying to come across something that they're not. Um, and so it's, it, we're in a very weird place where everyone is striving for notoriety. You know, uh, mm -hmm. when I was writing, I didn't care about being known. I mean, it, it was just really about, I loved hunting. I loved bow hunting. Passion and project. I liked writing about it. You know, yeah, it was just a, just a passion where I think now more people are just focused on making a name for themselves, regardless, no matter the stake. You know what I mean? And, and you can see that on YouTube. I mean, I sponsor YouTubers. I mean, I, I've mastered the game of you know, how to get messages out on YouTube and working with influencers on YouTube. But absolutely, there's a lot of them that are getting views that are just saying and doing outlandish things in our industry. So, are you talking about Josh um, Bomar, Tracy? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ever going to name anyone or throw anyone. Oh, we will. Did this person recently gonna, light their truck just, on fire? <laughs> you know, I'm just going to say that um, we, we are in a weird place. And from a marketing and branding standpoint, it makes it hard, and, and you guys may or may not have ever thought about this, but, you know, one complaint I get from business owners is if you wanted to own your space 30 years ago, okay, so let's take Matthews Archery or PSC Archery or some, you know, bow company that's been around for a long time. Matthews was started in 1992, so this year is their 30th year anniversary. They really started to own the industry for two reasons. They had amazing technology before others. And then they advertised, they would literally have 12-page, full-page ads in every bow hunting magazine, right? Like they put all their money in those magazines, and, and they won. And you, when social media come along and when TV come along and YouTube come along and podcasts come along, from a marketing and branding standpoint, it made things a lot harder. Like where do we put our money? And the message become more and more diluted because there were so many places to look to make sure you had to be there. Where 30 years ago, if you were launching a broadhead company, you just said, hey, we're going to print a catalog every year. We're going to run full-page ads in every hunting magazine on the planet, and away we go. Mm -hmm. That's the thing these days. There's so much content out there. It's like who do you choose and which one do you cho yeah. go with, you know? Yeah. 
and who's telling the truth? So to, to talk about Huntworth again just briefly, one of the issues I think the consumer has is, and this is absolutely because of social media and YouTube and all those things, no one really knows who to believe anymore. Right. Well, do I really believe those working class bow hunter guys because they're being paid over here by this company? Or do I really believe Lee Lakoski, he's being paid to shoot a Matthews bow or, or go on and on and on and on? And so the consumer really, they have a hard time trusting anyone, and that makes selling stuff or making people believe that your widget really is better. It makes it all that much harder. And I see when I launch brands, people are so cynical. When I, yeah. when I help a company come to market and it's their first year, the consumer just throws, throws them under the bus right away. And that's a social media thing, right? Like I think it was Mike Tyson that said the problem with society today is guys sit at home on their keyboard. They're not afraid of being punched in the mouth. <laughs> You're right? right. We all know a few um, of those. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it, we are in a, in a weird place. You know, we are in a, and social media is at the center of it. Yeah, absolutely. It could be a big bummer real fast. Well, the hunting industry has just exploded over the last few years. So you, you you look at it. I mean, when you started in, Tracy, you were comparing different camos and stands and bows and things like that. But um, once you started rolling on it and got into it, it was it now in the last, what, 10 years, it's really exploded where – now you've got like a every everybody's got a grunt call. Everybody's got a different scent, scent arrow, broadhead. I mean, everybody's making everything. So how do you break all that down? I mean, it, it would take a whole book to break everything down and and you know run them against each other. And that's diluted the market, right? And that's diluted the market that because they're just so. And then the other thing, and you guys maybe have ran into this, and the consumer maybe doesn't realize this, the listener. But so many of these brands have been bought out, mm-hmm. and some of them are now owned by private equity. So you have, right. you know, eight or ten brands under under one roof. Yeah, you know. Um, so I, I don't know. You know, I I don't know how many ATA shows you've been to, but when I went to this year's ATA show, I kind of looked around and I thought, I don't know, it's just not as good as it used to be. And, and talking to some of the veterans, mm-hmm. um, they they kind of feel the same thing. I think. I think bow hunting is healthy. I think the industry is in a, in a decent place. You know, COVID did cause more people to bow hunt. COVID did cause more people to watch all the outdoor celebrities and listen mm-hmm. to all the hunting podcasts. There was an enormous amount of uptick and downloads of podcasts and people watching their favorite hunting shows. Um, but I don't know, yeah, you know, where, where it goes. And, yeah. and I do fear for the industry, you know, as a whole, not to sound like a Debbie Downer, but maybe I am. Well, I, you know, from what you've seen social and where has built you guys, right? I mean, let's face yeah. it. Social media has really helped build you guys. And that, and that's kind of like that dilemma we're in a little bit. Like I just did a post yesterday. We have a, a pretty big, like our podcast page is good on Facebook, but our, our group is better. There's more interaction, of course. Um, and I just went on kind of a social media ran a little bit of like this negativity, cockiness, passive aggression, um, arrogance from ignorance vibe that is being put out between hunters. And it's just, I don't know. It pains like, what me. are we doing? It's a necessary evil, though, for us, because without that, like, yes, we're on it. It's helped our podcast. It's helped our downloads. It makes people aware of our new episodes. We have to have it. But I have to interact on there. Eric has to interact on there. Doug, everybody, a part of our crew, we have to be on there and be tentative and interact 
And it's a bummer because be, I'll be honest, if I didn't have the podcast, I'd say to hell with everybody on there. Amen. And just, I don't want this. Right. I'm just going to hunt in the woods. But, but also I do love the industry. I do to a point love social media because I think there is some positives. Mm-hmm. Um, I love mm-hmm. hunting. I love, I love the business around hunting. And that's part a uh, problem with you see a lot of these like pages that bash. They bash some of the poachers and stuff like that. That's great. I'm for that. But then they get to the point where all of a sudden they're just bashing industry. What happens if you want the industry of hunting to go away, then hunting goes away because yeah. you almost need that industry and you need the hunting. Yeah. Um, they supplement each other. They go hand in but hand. They go hand in they hand. They go hand in hand. And, and, but the problem is everything has become a competition. And who's the fastest? Who's the best? Who shoots the biggest deer? Who everything? It's it's all lightest gear. Who who leases the most ground? Who owns the most ground? Who everything? It's just it's round and round we go, and it's all competition down to anybody getting one spot to hang a deer stand just to go hunt. Like I feel I feel like we're losing the whole concept of what hunting is, bow hunting is, and hunting in general, I guess, mm-hmm. but. Everything's become a competition, and everybody's cutthroat. So, it, sure. I mean, it is cutthroat. It is. If somebody pulls a lease that somebody had before because they paid more money, now all the neighbors are getting pissed at each other, and we're all ready to run each other down on the road. And you know, it's just it's weird. It's, it's getting out of hand, is what it is. More or less and going social, blind and to the that's where Social media has absolutely caused that. Yeah, like, I agree like with I, you. You know, because the the hunger to have killed the biggest whatever. And, you know, I was talking to a client of mine, uh, Schaefer Archery in Minnesota, and he makes both sites and rest, but he also owns a pro shop. And he was saying to me one of the uh, sad things that he's seen is like everyone's to a point where I'm going to shoot a monster or I'm not going to shoot anything at all. You know, and he said, you know, early 80s or whatever, you went out in the tree stand with your, you know, Easton double X 75 aluminum arrows and, the first squirrel that walked by, he got it, right? He went home and was thrown in the crock pot, yep. rabbit, doe, whatever. And that was the, the fun of archery and bow hunting was just out there having fun. And, and social media has kind of caused us to, you know, be the trophy guy, pay the big money for the private land tag. You know, there's a lot of debate about that out west. You know, like whoever has the most money, yeah. will they get the private land tag. It's a great it's transition, Tracy, for what I want to talk to you about next. If you don't mind me, like politely interrupting yeah. for a transition yeah. big game hunting on a budget because yeah. I, that's something i wanted to bring up i you're a writer we got we would just went to africa we got a ton of well i don't want to say we got a ton of shit we got some shit we get some shit when we go out west on our western hunts uh, people don't really under they don't it's arrogance from ignorance it's hate from ignorance they think that when we go to Africa, we're spending $35,000 on our trip. You right. know, it's like you're so far off that it's, it's funny. But and people think, you know, it's like to go on your own mule deer hunt, to go on a bear hunt. It's not 20 grand. It's not this crazy expensive thing. And I know that you have something here uh, called big game on a budget. And that's a perfect thing that I think we should tap into, like going from this transition. It's like. We're working class bone, or everyone's so concerned that we're not working class because we went to Africa. Well, yeah, I mean, you can save money in Africa now. I've been back when I was writing a ton. Uh, I was invited to Africa all the time, and and having cerebral palsy, my biggest fear was blood clots on those long plane rides. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I, I always just decided not to do it. Um, 
and and I worked with a couple African outfitters. Kind of a funny story. Both my kids, I have two boys. They're both named after African outfitters that came to the states and sold hunts every year. No kidding. And one of That's them, awesome. act, one of them actually stayed with me, and we became friends. And I helped them with his business a little bit. But it is kind of uh, it, Africa can get pricey, especially if you want to sending your animals home to get mounted. You know. Oh, yeah. Um, if you're Jim Shockey Safari, and you know, yeah, it's going to cost you some money. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would suggest anyone who, it's funny, on a podcast the other day, I said the same thing. Everybody is obsessed with whitetails, and you can hunt whitetails on a budget, but I look at, like, antelope, you know, black bear, mule deer, elk. Those are things that are just real budget-friendly. Um, elk hunting, mule deer hunting, success rate isn't super high when you're doing it on your own, but you look at antelope hunting, you look at bear hunting, I mean, if you go on a bear hunt, you go on an antelope hunt, like a trespass hunt out west for an antelope, 1500 bucks. your odds of killing one are probably 90-plus percent. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's where I do think, I, I do see that bashing on social media where it must be nice to be rich or it must be nice to be this or that. Um, what, what you need to go on a budget hunt and to be successful is time. And maybe the two go hand in hand. Uh, but you know, my first year riding full time, I made twenty eight thousand dollars, and you know, I was also elk hunting out west on a budget, and and you know, we were we were killing animals. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's possible to do super cheap. It, it really is, and that goes back to that dream thing. Uh, I speak at a lot of wild game dinners at churches, and one of the sad things is and you were talking about what would your dad say to you if he was here and concerned your podcast. Well, what I see is a lot of 60-year-old guys saying, I should have done this when I was younger, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. looking back and going, I should have went on that budget hunt. And, and I'm here to tell you, you know, you can chase that dream and go get it. I mean, it, it really is possible to hunt elk out west cheap. It is possible to even hunt in Alaska cheap. I mean, I've hunted in Alaska. I've fished in Alaska. I've hunted and fished in Canada. All those things are possible on the cheap on an outdoor rider's salary, you know, I mean. Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of that too, Tracy, is like, the, yes, we know it's all attainable and very doable from our perspective, but we're, I think everyone sitting at this table right now is willing to do those things and you're willing to do that. But I, there's some people that just want to be mad that you're doing it. And you're yeah. like, man, listen, it's not that bad. Well, I don't like to fly. Well, okay, well, you have to fly to go to Africa. Well, I don't like, uh, I don't want to cross the Canadian border because that's a hassle. It's like, all right, well, then you'll never go there. Like, like give a shit about it. There's just certain <laughs> things that you're not willing to do. Like, if you want to go for on a budget and you want to do certain things, it's travel in general. Take the hunting out of it. If you want to go anywhere, there's certain things <laughs> you're going to have to be a little uncomfortable with to get to where you're going to have the lifetime memorable experience. If you're exactly. not willing to do minimal sacrifice for great opportunity then no one can help you and that's your own fault and we're sorry um figure it out we're gonna go you know so and some people just can't be helped and then we're you gotta get over it but but the biggest thing is here tracy is uh, what kurt just said but on top of that is social media has fed into all of this and 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 they're voicing their opinion on all of these hunts that all of us are going on they can see it and then they just want to naysay everything, and they can do that easily 
on their little keyboard and yeah, it takes be, yeah. be and with it. Type it out. But if punched in the mouth, but if but if, right. <laughs> but if social media wasn't there and they had to make their own decisions and make their own plan their own trip and there wasn't any feed coming in giving them any other thoughts, you know, maybe they would they either don't at all or they they plan their own trip and they go. I think they still wouldn't go. Social I mean, they, not, they, I think those they, people, yes, but, but those people I'm, have that block in their mind. There probably of, wouldn't be, there wouldn't be the jealousy, right? The jealousy, right. No. I see what you're saying, Ron. Like right. if you killed a deer, if you killed an elk or killed a deer or killed your mountain lion in Wyoming, whatever, and you got home with it, on a good day, you might let 20 people know. Yep, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. You, and so you might have a buddy be jealous. I, I know when I started writing for hunting magazines, there was a fair amount of jealousy that, you know, I was doing it, my buddies weren't, or whatever. But at the end of the day, you might have a couple jealous buddies, but you wouldn't have 10,000, right? <laughs> right. That's, yeah. what happens. Yeah. Yeah. that's what happens with social media is, you know, everybody sees what everybody else is doing, and they think you have the perfect life, or you're, you know, you're hunting for a living, or whatever. But but I go back to, they can all do it. You know, and like I said, I wrote a book on it, Big Game on a Budget. The truth is, most of the articles in that book were, or most of the chapters were articles that I just regurgitated in the book form. And that was kind of one of my fortes. That was one of the things that separated me. You know, before there was lots of people talking about hunting on a budget. I was kind of one of the guys, you know, late nineties, two thousands, mid two thousands that was writing about that, how to, how to go to Alaska, how to hunt out West on a budget. And it's still doable. And I tell everybody, go do it and do it when you're young. Okay. Um, do it when you're 30, 35, 40, 45. Don't wait till you're 55 and have the money. You know, that's, I think, that a lot of people get lulled to sleep by, oh, I'm going to do it when, I'm, when I have the money. Then all of a sudden you're 55 and you can't walk to the mailbox. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a, that's a powerful statement in that. And I think people don't realize the weight that what you just said carries. It's That's why we're doing the shit we're doing now when we're in our 30s, you know? It's like... You know, I have certain things on my bucket list, and I'm going to try to not make that be when I'm 55, 56, 60, you know. Um, and I'm busy right now because we're trying to do this shit. Yeah. You know, we went to Africa. I'm going to Wyoming in, you know, the time of recording in a couple of weeks, and um, I'm trying to get it while I can before I get too fat, you know. We're already yeah, fat before we get more fat. Before we get more fat. Before we get more fat. Casey's Pizza's killing us over here in the Midwest. I had a slice on the way here. It's like the crack <laughs> epidemic, man. Just take this down one slice at a time. Well, I do work with wilderness athletes. We'll, we'll send you some. Uh, we can we can help you shed some pounds, right? Yeah, you know we're gonna have to talk. Anything you got for elevation sickness? Send Absolutely. it, please. They have a product. They have a product called uh, Altitude Advantage. Not to give a shameless plug, but I will. Uh, I think I've actually supplement. taken it before. Yeah, um, I I um, have had a lot of problems with altitude sickness over the years. I hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon one time just to camp at the bottom and hike back out. And having cerebral palsy makes it tough, but the elevation at the top of the rim there was kind of rough on me. And um, altitude advantage and hydrate and recover, those two things. I might um, be hitting you up for some two. of that, man. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I mean, anything you send us, we'll, we'll probably take you up on. Hey, it ain't going to yeah, hurt us, our, Tracy. Our, our, diet, <laughs> our diet is Casey's Pizza and Bush Light, so. If it helps hangovers, so, yeah, we'll use not, it. You're not really it's not uh, good for the, mountains. the Cameron Haynes. You're not chasing the Cameron Haynes way of life, are you? Yeah. No, <laughs> no. I got, a, I got a pizza box on my back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, carrying a rock up a mountain, try up Casey's Pizza. Just boy. trying our best to represent the working but, class. But I'll say, 
but I'll say to kind of back up what we were talking about, the hunting on a budget, um, the better shape you're in when you're hunting on a budget, the better odds of success. 100%, you know I mean? for as, sure. As I look at the guys who are consistently, you know, killing elk in the backcountry on their own, I mean, they're not super overweight. You know, even <laughs> the whitetail guys, you know, the whitetail guys who are willing to grind it out in public land and somehow shoot a, shoot a nice buck, uh, most of them aren't, aren't overweight. Listen, Tracy, I'm not saying we're fat. I'm saying we're getting there. We we're could hustling. be fat. What I'm we're saying hustling. is I think you're Chris Farley's little brother. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that still hurt. <laughs> if we didn't like to bow hunt, bow hunt so much, we'd be a little fatter. Like we're still da- sure. We're still dangerous. We'd be the keyboard warriors. Yeah. We'd be quickly the keyboard warriors, but we're still killing stuff. Greasy fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're gross, for sure. <laughs> Just ask our wives. Just ask our wives. They're stuck with us. We'll take half of their shit. We made sure our wives made more money than us when we married them. You know? Smart. That, uh, yeah, there's also a care, that can be a key to success to working in the outdoor industry. <laughs> having a, advice having you a wife that makes a lot more money than you do. <laughs> right, right. Marry the money. Obviously, we're like half kidding about the last 10 minutes of this podcast. Just half. Right? <laughs> Just half. We're not bluffing. The other 50% were dead serious. Yeah, we're fat, for sure. <laughs> so we're, we're, That's true. We're just fat enough to stay warm, you know? Yeah. Heat boost and a little bit of bush light fat. We're good. You can sit a long time in the white A little white pizza grease thrown in there. We're good. Yeah, yeah. But uh, go. we're doing our best, Tracy. We're doing our best. Good. Do you have any uh, cool hunts coming up yourselves, like out west kind of things? You going elk hunting? Yeah, I'm going uh, in a couple weeks here to Wyoming for an elk hunt. Um, I drew a pretty good tag. Um, nice. This is, you know, at the time of recording. Must be nice. Yeah, it must be nice. I've been building points for this. Where's your points? Um, in Casey's Pizza. They're, they're yeah, they're in the Casey's mail. Rewards. Yeah, we're not talking yeah, Casey's. Ducks nine out of ten right now. Almost got a free one coming. What's up? Yeah. yeah, I've been putting my Casey's Pizza money into Wyoming elk points and actually drew a tag. Um, That's so, saying something. It's hard to draw a Wyoming tag right now. Yeah, I had a handful of points. I uh, got lucky. I didn't. I didn't, was unsure if I was going to draw, um, but I did. Um, so heading out, uh, second week of September and going to hunt five, six days and see what we can pull off. So, um, we're going to go to a pretty good area. Uh, me and my buddy Trey, uh, he threw on me that we're going to throw a spike camp out there. And I think he has a tag as well. He's going to be hunting. Um, I don't know if we're going to spike camp or not. We're going to be in grizzly country. I'm a little nervous about that, but I got that old 10 millimeter Glock on me. Glock, Glock. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But, um, we're, we're going to do our best, you know. I don't. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm... Let, let me give you. Let me give you. We might be going long here, but let me give That's you okay. a grizzly tip. Please. Uh, a good, good close friend of mine is uh, a bear biologist. Uh, deals with most of the problem bears in Anchorage. Okay, that's his full time job. So okay. a grizzly bear gets in your garbage can. He's the one to come take care of it. Um, they deter more grizzly problems with bear spray than bullets. Okay. And they, they have to kill a lot of bears, okay? He kills a lot of bears, but he, but he said, you know, nothing can quickly deter a bear like bear spray. Okay, good to Oftentimes, know. Oftentimes, like if you look at the research, there's a lot of people killed by a bear who's been already shot, you know, by that hunter. And then the bear kills that guy and then runs off and dies. All right, and so have both. bear spray, on the <laughs> other hand, bear spray, on the other hand, you, you squirt him with that, and it's quickly game over because... It they hurts. can't breathe or see. 
Hey, just take one of the peppers with you and throw them at his eyeballs. Yeah, I got some Trinidad ghost peppers I'll whip at him. Or Rub scorpion it, peppers. Just rubbed on your bullets. So what you're saying, I should just... some homemade. Homemade, yeah, some homemade. So I should just have both, pepper spray and a 10 millimeter, just in case. Yeah. Give him that sure. chip. It's just the country boy in me that envisions a massive grizzly bear running at me. I don't want to hit him with spray when he's at 10 <laughs> yards. Yeah. I don't the know. It's something, redneck yeah, in me. something about the 10 millimeter just feels better. You want to spray him with something else. <laughs> it's like, well, I've, I've hunted, uh, at least you went out with a bang. I've, I've been on a lot of elk hunts. I never have hunted elk where grizzlies are just because I didn't want to have to deal with that, too. Like hobbling up the side of a mountain with cerebral palsy with my buddies, I always knew I would be the grizzly bear bait. (laughs) 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 I I just didn't want to be that guy. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm not going to lie if I, you know, I'm nervous about it. I'm a little uncomfortable with it, but I'm with a guy that has a lot of experience up there. Um, now that you said that I am going to buy bear spray and have my 10 millimeter on me because listen, I'll do the paperwork, man. I'm, I'm, I'm coming home. So, um, really where the big, big elk are, that's where we're going to be. So whether it's where the grizzlies are at or where they're not at, um, that's where we're going to try to be at. So, uh, we got that after Africa, that's the, I don't know if anybody has a hunt between whitetail season and now, Mm -hmm. um, everyone's waiting on whitetail season and. Uh, we plan on getting after. I think everybody's got a pretty good whitetail. We're going to try and dive in after, and uh, you know, we'll keep uh, weekly updates during season. Our 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 schedule gets more up to date as we get to bow season. There, yep. we like to do that with our podcast schedule. So, cool. Yeah, living the dream, chasing the dream. What about you, Tracy? You got anything hot coming up? Or are you waiting on whitetail yeah, season? Yeah, or what? You know, it's kind of a funny thing. I, I had mentioned this the other day doing an interview that. Um, I'm to a point I've, I've hunted all over. I've done a lot of cool things. And, uh, my oldest son is 16 and he loves all this stuff. And, um, I'm really just trying to focus on, you know, filling his tags. That's cool. And man. my job takes a lot of time. Uh, and so I'll, I'll do some hunting, believe it or not, my favorite thing to do. And you'll want to go on a long rabbit trail with this. We'll have to save it for another day probably. But my favorite thing to do is hunt turkeys with dogs in the fall. And I have turkey really? dogs. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that, but never dogs heard of it. No. turkey dogs. So, the, so to give you a thirty-second synopsis, the dog is trained to uh, run into the flock, break that flock up. Uh, they find them, they break them. You sit down, call them back in, and shoot them. That wow. sounds fun. I wow. never heard that before ever. That would be a rush. I, I know you guys. I know you guys are going to have Nick Hoffman on someday. I work pretty closely with Nick and his show, and uh, there is an episode of Nick's Wild Ride where he and I go hunting turkeys in the fall with dogs. So we'll have to watch can, that. Um, you can look that up. Uh, we did that in Ohio here a couple years ago. Wow, that sounds like a damn good time. That sounds like a blast. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Unfortunately, <laughs> hunting them in the fall with dogs in your state um, is not legal if you're all in Illinois. Um, well, some of us are from Iowa. I, still I don't even know if it's that. legal there or not. I have no idea. It, it, I believe it's legal, but only for residents, because I don't think in the fall non-residents can hunt turkeys in Iowa. Interesting. I, I don't know. We don't know. We have, I know nothing about turkey. Yeah, hunting. you and I are turkey hunters. So, <laughs> wow, that's I never even heard of that. That sounds cool. I'll I have to, to get my dog ready. I'll have to check that out on Nick's show. Well, yeah, we got to get Nick on. I was texting with him a couple of weeks ago, and it was like. Well, we're I'm going to be on a hunt. Well, I'm going to be on a hunt. Well, I'm busy this week. Well, I'm busy this week. 
All right, just yeah. text me all the weeks that it could happen, and then we'll figure it out. <laughs> so I got to follow no, up. With he him. Uh, he cer- he certainly gets around. I mean, he truly lives the rock star life. I mean, for yeah. real. Like, there's people in our industry who want to pretend, um, but that guy truly does. Like, he hobnobs with all the country music stars and is a country music guy himself, and hunts all over and has a podcast on Apple uh, where he where he actually interviews you know the Garth Brooks and all those type of people. So. He, he's legit. Well, I think he'd fit fit in with us if he came to party. We'd probably give him a run for his money. Oh, yeah, he, he likes to uh, – there's no question. He, he likes to party, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Just a wee bit. All right, I think we'll get along good with Nick. But Oh, yeah, for sure. Tracy, this podcast has been a blast, man. Thank you so much. Um, it's it's hey, no cool problem. talking to – and whether you want to give yourself this title or not, an industry OG, a pioneer, if you mm-hmm. will – um, somebody that has the layers of experience that you have in this game. Um, much respect from the WCB crew yep. uh, to you, man, and uh, very grateful for uh, giving us a chance with Huntworth and uh, an opportunity in this industry, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Anything you want to close out with? Where do people find you? Where can they look you up? Anything like that? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, my, my website is just my name, TracyBreen.com, T-R-A-C-Y-B-R-E-E-N.com. Uh, if you want to book me for a wild game dinner, uh, that's a that's a good place to start. And kind of the theme of of my story, just kind of everybody out there, if you have a dream, chase it. I love that. Awesome. We'll close with a roundtable. Austin, you got anything? That was a great podcast. Uh, Tracy, good luck this fall, and uh, good luck to your boy if you guys get to get out there and get after it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It was a great episode, and look forward to many more with you. I don't have a whole lot. Just awesome to sit on the podcast with you and uh, listen to your story of how you came up. Dougie Doug. Uh, Thanks, Tracy, and uh, thanks for giving us a chance. Hopefully we're doing good. (laughs) Hopefully we're doing our jobs. You guys guys are following through, that's for sure. Um, And there's something to be said for that. Not everybody does. Good, good, good. Tracy, I I appreciate everything. Uh, It's awesome, your words of advice and everything broke down. I mean, it's it's really great so we'll uh good podcasting with you and we'll talk with you here hopefully soon real so. soon and tracy man i'm gonna close her out man much appreciated i love this podcast a very uh motivational little fire up my ass uh more than i even needed right now which is good <laughs> and uh, i'm gonna close her out with you don't have to do everybody go shoot your bow we love you thanks guys From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.